Every podcast needs a theme song. And here's mine. Hi, folks. Welcome to this week's episode of Restoring History. I am Mike Kelher, and on today's show, I'll be joined by artist John Cordes of the webcomic Mostache, Mark Mustel, artist on Dogs of War, and our good friend Mike Murray from MyComicStore.net. Today we'll be talking about comic conventions and some of the trials and tribulations associated with sitting behind the table. But first, this podcast is brought to you by my company, Calistration Incorporated. Visit us at calistration.com and check out our Master Series line of high-quality art restoration prints. Our first set, featuring Little Nemo and Slumberland, is available now. These are restored directly from the original art, and you get a total of four 18 by 24 inch prints. That's 18 by 24. People get the prints and they say, wow, they're huge. Yes, that's 18 by 24 inches. They're in full color, and they look great hanging on your wall or displayed in a standard 18 by 24 inch portfolio. New prints are available every few months, so visit us often at K-E-L-L-U-S-T-R-A-T-I-O-N.com. That's calistration.com. Now, before I get to our guests, I want to give you a little introduction in today's topic. Back in the 1990s, probably before some of you were even born, I was attending comic conventions as a guest to promote my self-published ventures. My fellow writers and artists would pay 20 to 50 bucks for a table, drive anywhere from 45 minutes to 14 hours with four to six of us in a car, just to have the opportunity to present our self-published masterpieces, I'm, I'm using air quotes for the word masterpieces, to potentially a few thousand people. Most comic conventions were usually a little different than they are today. Most of them were small. Even the big ones were small by today's standards. I think the biggest show we did on a regular basis was probably the Motor City Con, just outside of Detroit, uh, Novi, Michigan, I think it was. Uh, we sold copies of a comic illustrated called Rib, which was written by Drew Ford and published by Caliber Press. And we also sold copies of self-published books like uh, Legend Killer, Section 12, and Glue Boy, all labors of love that I look back upon now with varying levels of pride and shame. Uh, they weren't the best comics in the world. Some were much better than others. Uh, but our books had one major thing in common with all the other creators there. It was born out of love for the art form, comic books. The convention hall was always filled with comic dealers, indie publishers, artists, writers, and an occasional guy or, or gal, but usually a guy in a costume. I spent 10 years doing conventions on a regular basis, usually four to six shows a year, not too many, and they were almost always a lot of fun. And at some point, the fun started to diminish. Uh, looking back, that diminished enjoyment coincided with my rising success as a comic professional. I was in that weird in-between state where I was no longer a mid-level indie artist, but I was barely a low-level comic professional. I was stuck somewhere between the two, so I didn't feel like I was part of the indie scene anymore, and I certainly wasn't part of the pro circuit either. And luckily, I was always busy with paying work, and I'm grateful every day that the work has yet to stop flowing, even after 13 years as a self-proclaimed comic professional. Anyway, after 10 years, I'm doing shows again, and a lot's changed. And not only are shows bigger, they are, at, as you know, they're as much media events as they are comic conventions. Movie and television stars are the norm at shows today. There are as many toy and merchandise vendors as there are comic vendors, 
maybe even more so. And where Artist Alley was once a haven of indie comic publishers, the indie comic offerings are sparse and replaced with artists, uh, many with no connection to the comic industry, selling prints of their work and trying to make connections. I don't think that's a bad thing, not at all. I, I just simply find myself feeling like the old man sitting at, at the pond talking to the ducks about the good old days when I would go to a convention and be inundated with comic books and comic book fans and nothing else. We were all there for a common love, comics. Fortunately, there are still shows out there that have kept, at least mostly kept, that same comic-centric feel to them. Uh, the 2014 Comic-Con uh, comes to mind as a convention that felt like those Motor City Cons we did back in the mid-1990s, where I got to meet legends like uh, Dick Ayers and Julia Schwartz and s- sit silently next to actor James Hong as I ate crackers and was afraid to say anything more than, no, that seat's not taken. And with that, let's bring in our guests. All right, everyone. Today, we're joined by John Cornis. Say hello, John. Hello. Mark Mustel. Hello, John. <laughs> And Mike Murray. I was going to do that. Hello, John. No. no. Now so, I'm just a lazy John. John screwed everything up. I know. Should I just leave? No. <laughs> Please. No. The dog should leave, though. Bullet. Get out of there. That's you know my what? dog, Bullet. I can't believe you even showed up. Hey, I've showed he up twice before now. He was, he's, he's, a, he's a veteran of this, this, my third of this show. I understand that, but I mean, you know, don't hold your breath waiting for him. <laughs> ah, when were you going to come talk comics? I don't know. <laughs> he's here. He's here now, talking comics. All right. All right. So you probably wondered why I gathered you here today, and <laughs> I want to because you love this. Well, that too. But I want to talk about comic book conventions. Ugh. Every one of us has uh, been to comic conventions and been behind the table. I recently did a show. I'm not going to say the name of the show or the location. I don't want to uh, disparage any anyone. Wasn't yeah. happy with the show. So I want to talk about some comic book uh, convention experiences, uh, what we do like, what we don't like, and ways to uh, improve our own experiences at, the, at, at these shows. Now let me tell you my very first, uh, my very first pet peeve here, pardon me. He's drinking. So, yes. <laughs> it makes him more fun. <laughs> Something that I noticed years ago. We used to do uh, conventions when I was self-publishing back in the early 90s. We used to do conventions all the time, wherever we could find local conventions. There weren't as many as there are as there are today, and there certainly weren't the big ones. So they're almost always uh, relatively small. Even the big ones were relatively small. But the big ones are more accessible, and they were more affordable. Yes. Oh, and, you didn't, and you didn't... And when I first started, it was Fred Greenberg in New York. Yeah, absolutely. You call up Fred. Hey, Fred, I'm doing a book. He goes, basically said, send me a copy of it so I know you're legit. Once I get it, I'll give you a call back, and we'll set you up with a free table. Oh, wow. Notice the fingers in the air. Oh. <laughs> free table. And then you show up, and it's like, boom, I got a table. It's none of this, can I get on your guest list, or is it $300 for two nights? Yeah. You know? Granted, it was New York City, so you had to do the train in the hotel. Right. But you didn't have to then cover two to 300 bucks for a table. Yeah. Mm, no thanks. Which would certainly help uh, a lot because even back even back twenty years ago, when I would talk to people, and you you go from table to table and talk to uh, different creators, and of course back then it was almost all comic creators. Yeah, any yeah. comic. You didn't find the people. There, there weren't a lot of crafts people. Uh, there were very few, if any, uh, artists who were just selling prints. 
there would be people, uh, bigger names, that would be selling sketches, original art, and they might not have comics. But it would, uh, a lot of them were just the people uh, selling their self-published books. Mm-hmm. Actually, I'm going to I'm, I'm going to disagree with you because the conventions that I had experience with, even the bigger ones like Philadelphia, mm-hmm. we had the artists there, and I always said in our industry, because I cross over into the sports cards a little bit. Yeah. In the comic book industry, we were very uh, spoiled. I mean, I remember getting sketches from Alex Ross for free. Yeah. Nowadays, you can hardly yeah. even talk to him. Well, no, certainly. Yeah. Right. And, and, you know, I mean, John Romita, Sr., would yeah. sketch for free. John yeah. Jr. would sketch for free. Yeah. And right. These people would take the time to talk to you and sketch and give you free stuff. They were happy to meet the public. You're absolutely right. As opposed <clears> to, like, say, when I went to New Jersey and met John Elway, and it was $175 just to get in the right. door. But the people I'm talking about now are you go to the conventions, and there were a few at the, at, at the recent convention, where they are, they're talented artists, uh, but all they're selling are prints, and it's prints of their work that have, it's not related to comics, um, it's only loosely related to sci-fi or, or things like that. And I don't, uh, I don't have a problem with that. It just seems kind of weird that a comic book convention, you think everybody there would have something to do with uh, comics. Like I said, uh, the show had a toy designer there, and that's all he sold were prints of his uh, drawings, but they were toy designs of Marvel characters, Star Wars characters, so it kind of fit the more yeah, yeah, yeah. team. But regardless. But did he sell them? Was he selling them? Well, uh, yes. Yes? Yes, yes, okay. he, he was selling them. There's one record there. Loved it, loved it. And... Um, the point of what, I, what I'm talking about is, you know, even back 20, 25 years ago, and you go around and you would inevitably ask everybody, how are you doing today? Yeah. Because we always knew how much money we were making, obviously. And at first, it always seemed like, wow, everyone is making hand over money, hand over fist, while we're making nothing. And it seems like we have better product and even more product and have more people at our tables. We very quickly realized that most people are kind of disingenuous about how well they're doing at a show. And I understand it, too. Nobody wants to sit here and say, I'm failing. Right. And so I decided that on, on, on this show and for the rest of this year, whenever I do a show, I'm going to be very forth, uh, forthright about what I, how much I spend, how much I make. I want there to be a record out there for how much people make at, the, at these shows. And just to give a little barometer, Mark, you run a, a local show called the Bacon, which is it's um, it's more of an artisan show. It is correct, it is. right? It, yeah. it, do, it does include comics, but it's all local artisans. Whether it's uh, jewelry makers and comic uh, artists and, um, and, and and crafters, and craft, right, almost we had the sculptor guy last year. Yeah. Well, right. the, the template for it was a combination of things. One of them was paint and pixel, which uh, friends of mine, uh, uh, boy, yeah, here we go. Uh, Tadarski and her husband and wow, that's that's the one I did. That was one in Northampton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I, I loved it. We we did two two years in a row. Great show. Yes. They filled up an entire ballroom up at the Arts Creative Center in Northampton. Yeah, and the tables were cheap. I think they were like twenty five, thirty five bucks. So you can't beat that, right? And it was, you it was know, very friendly. Yeah. Oh, it was great. It was a one day show, and it was all artists, and you just basically just talked to everybody and sold. So that that was my idea for BingCon was. We don't have a show in Springfield, or we have not had one in decades. Yeah. Let's give everybody in the area a chance to get an affordable table. Mm-hmm. It's affordable to get in. I mean, yeah, you go to some of these shows, and it's like $25, 35 45 bucks to get in the door for one day. Right. We do 5 bucks. 
you know, you can't beat five bucks. And then they get you a free spot down the hall, down the street at the movie theater after the show to watch a goofy movie. You know right. I mean? So. And, and not uh, only that, you guys offer door prizes and raffles and other things yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. The show is just a lot of fun. Plus, of course, and uh, our listeners don't know it's for a good cause at uh, the, the local uh, Bing's Art uh, Center. Yep. With, um, yeah, which is it's a it's a it's now it used to be a movie theater when we were kids, and now it's more of a community. Well, it's literally a community art center. It is. Uh, it is. Yeah. I mean, Brian does show movies. He does art exhibits. He gets a lot of bands in there because he's got a decent little stage. Yeah. I mean, his goal is to eventually reopen it up as a theater. Right. But he's got. I mean, I think they just dropped. I think he told me like 60, 60 grand just to fix the roof and ceiling. Wow. Because it was leaking, and yeah. basically the contractor said, "Fix this first." Then worry about everything else. They've been working on that building for about fifteen years now, right? Yeah, yeah, at least. But it's it's all donations, right? You know, and then you talk, you know, you hear about all the uh, the politicians downtown talking about, well, we're going to raise money for this place and that place and this place and that place, but it's all these places and businesses and organizations that are downtown, right? But oh, hey, you go up towards the X and Sumner Ave, it's still Springfield, but it's not exactly. It's, it's not in their view. It's 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 on the other side of town. Yeah. right. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's not the destination they're right. looking for. Right. Uh, right. Very quick, uh, give their uh, web address. Last for the Bing. Uh, BingArtsCenter.org. Wonderful. And okay. then for uh, the Bing Comic Con, uh, I'll see that in October right. t- October twenty fourth, Asbury Hall, which is part of Trinity Methodist Church, yep. eleven to five. Uh, come on in. We've got fifty tables, three rooms. Uh, we got some guy named Mike Murray who's going to be there. <laughs> but our bigger guests right now are Steve Bissett, Jim Lawson, Steve Murphy. Uh, I'm waiting on possibly Sean McManus. I threw it out there to him. Uh, Rick Veach cannot make it. I was oh. hoping to get Veachy up there, but I can't do it. And there's a guy down at, you know, a friend of mine said, hey, I've got JB's phone number. You want to call him? And I'm like, let me send him an email first. If I can get this guy to come up from Connecticut, I will be thrilled. Wonderful. But he's a big name. Okay. Been around for decades. I can't wait. I'll, I'll be there. Uh, yep. John, you better be there. I, I've i never been before, but I'm going to make a mission. I'll go pick you up. <laughs> anyway. Putting it in blood. Like, I'll sign a name. <laughs> so back, you know, back, to the, back to the show. Yeah. Um, so when you go to the comic the comic conventions, it's, it's, it's a very large mix of... Uh, of uh, Different types of artists and uh, and dealers. And, well, and nowadays, and, and I want to say, I, I do blame a lot of this on uh, San Diego. Yeah. And and now I'm seeing it happen in New York more and more. A lot of shows aren't comic book shows anymore. They're pop culture. Yeah. Right. And right. that's important to yes. distinguish, which is why the New York Comic Con actually created their Comic Fest or whatever they're doing four months in advance of the Comic Con. Which That's is all comics, right? Comic right, exactly. Um, but it, it seems to be building a uh, a bigger audience of uh, dealers who I don't think have, get a fair representation of what these different shows do. The show that we were at last weekend uh, was a two day show. Should not have been a two day show. And this is something. This is a trend that I'm seeing where people, for whatever reason, they're extending it to two days. There, there, there shouldn't have been. We're estimating, and I, I don't know these numbers. I could be completely off, but we're over the years, we got good at estimating crowds, and we estimate that over the, the two days, there are about a thousand people at this show. Not at least, in my opinion, not enough for a show. It was a hundred dollars for a table. Okay. And for the entire for the entire weekend, my income I brought in sixty dollars. I sold sixty dollars worth of merchandise. 
The second day, now, I didn't sell a single thing. Now, I want to ask, yes. because it's an important distinction. Is that $60 in your pocket, or is yes. that $60 before? No, no, no. Uh, now, that's $60 that was passed to me by the by the people at the convention. Someone paid five bucks to get into the show, were, uh, that were wonderful enough to come up to my table and spend money. And so so right, away you're, you're, right away you're down forty dollars just down for the forty day. bucks, right? Mm -hmm. That doesn't okay. include travel. Uh, for this show, I was able to stay with a friend, and he also bought me dinner, so that was all. There you <laughs> go. That was all free. Nice. Um, so, Thank you, friend. Uh, yes. <laughs> shout out to my buddy Len. And that now that's the thing. now I also don't want to make it sound like I'm blaming anybody now because now there's here are some of the things that we noticed after the first day. Uh, we. We were talking to people, and people said, oh, yeah, we were doing really well, really well. And so the next day, which we, we've done before, because you get bored at these shows when there's nothing to do, right. we're kind of spying on people and seeing who has money exchanging. And the the money that we saw being exchanged in no way matched what people told us they were doing in terms of sales. So they're, they're inflating our, themselves, sure. which is, uh, you know, uh, as a person who likes to watch human beings, that's kind of interesting to me. Uh, and again, I understand that no one wants to go in there and say that they, they failed. And even when you have a business, you want to keep that aura of success even when you are failed. So I get that. I also don't want to make it sound like I'm blaming the uh, promoters of the show. There's no, I don't care what show you're doing, what you put on, no matter what guests you uh, have there, there's no way to predict what people are going to be spending. But that was the interesting thing about this show was by the end of the second day, when you when you go to a comic convention, you see people walking around. Their hands are full of merchandise that they that they bought. People were walking around empty-handed. Yeah. They paid to get into the. Uh, assumably, they paid to get into the show. Uh, I have no idea if anybody was comped or whatever. I don't know if these were just other dealers that were just walking around the, around the floor. And so, we were trying to figure out know, why weren't people spending what they knew it was. Uh, they knew specifically exactly what type of show it was supposed to be. And uh, there were dealers that fit that their, their description of the show. And so, was it just a, a, a crowd that wasn't buying? Was it that the people didn't like what was uh, what was available? You know, there's so many uh, variables when doing a comic show. And Mark, you probably could have uh, you you did a lot of self-publishing yep. and uh, doing uh, work for smaller publishers. So you did the convention circuit for did years. A lot of conventions. Did you ever see any kind of pattern as to what, in terms of making money, what is a good show and what is a bad show? Were you ever able to kind of say, you know what, that show is going to stink, I'm not even going to bother going? Because I've never found that pattern. No, it, I don't think I, there I, is a pattern. Yeah, I always tried to be wise about shows I've picked. In the beginning, you know, Tommy and I were, Tom Stagoski was the writer of the books I worked on. Uh, we, we did the bigger shows. We did Boston, we did New York. We did some smaller shows. It was more for the PR and the exposure. But at the time, too, back in the very late 80s, early 90s, you saw a huge flux of people buying. You know, even though we were selling a $3 comic, you know, we had... Which back then was a lot for Which comic. was a lot for a comic. Right, yeah. But granted, we were through, we were through Caliber, and that's what he had to have as a price tag right. so he could make money on his books. Yeah. Uh, we were seeing a lot of books being sold, you know, and we went above and beyond. I was doing free little sketches. You know, I got to the point where I was working on Dogs of War through uh, Crusade, where I got so good at drawing, like, you know, a, a frog head. That I was like a 12-second frog head. Tommy would be like, here's a piece of paper, go. Boom, 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 boom. 12, 
do a 12-second frog and it's done. And that was the funny thing about having a partner there. I've done shows by myself, and it's tough because if you're working on sketches, you got your head down and you're working, and the people are going by, and you try to look up, and you try to be, hey, how you doing, how right. you doing? But at least with a partner there, I mean, he's a writer. He's not going to sit down to write you a paragraph of prose. So he's got nothing to do but shell the book. Here it is. Boom, boom, boom. Come get our book. Yeah. He'll do a quick sketch for you. Now, now that's a funny note because I want to tell you, uh, years and years ago, I did get prose, original prose from writers. You did? Okay. And, and it was really cool. And in fact, in Boston, this last year, uh, one of our guys, Jared, he... He wanted something on a blank sketch variant, but he couldn't afford the art from the artist. But Mark Wade, the writer, was there. And I said, go ask Mark what he thinks. And Mark filled up that blank variant cover with, you know, a whole little story about what his favorite thing about writing Daredevil was. That's interesting. And that's that's original, too. That's perfect. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's a good... That's perfect. That's a good little thing. So yeah. writers can, yeah. you know. But, you know... But, yes, most people don't look at writers as... They're there for the autograph. Right. The artists are the ones who do the work. Right. Actually, I mean... And, and I'm sorry, I don't mean to take away from any writer. No, no, I agree. But I mean, writers will take a week to two weeks to write a script. Then they pass it on to the artist, who then will pencil it for four weeks, give or take. And then if you pass it along to an inker, that's probably another three to four weeks. In my case, I was doing everything on the first few books we did. So I was penciling it, lettering it, inking it, dual shading it, doing the covers, doing the colors... So I'm already two months into a book, and he's been done after two weeks. So down the road, you also want to, you know, it's also fair, too, to get more compensation, especially yes. if you're doing all that work. Right. Uh, then when we ended up going over to Crusade, it was a very similar situation, but Tommy was writing it, I was penciling it and lettering it, and then we were passing it on to inkers just to stay on schedule. You know, it, it's, it's a funny thing, you know, you get the guys who are writers, creators, they're doing everything themselves. They have all that control, and they can, you know, take care of their own deadlines. You get the extra person thrown in there, and you know, you got to get a really good working relationship. You got to have a good partnership. Right. Now, that's why he and I worked together so well for so long. You know, I ended up working with a couple other writers down the road, and you establish a good working relationship and a friendship. And, and I want to point out when you say friendship, that's a big matter of trust as well. Right. Because I know from like listening to some of the guys at Marvel that you can have a great penciler, get 80% of a book done, and all of a sudden the deadline's tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Well, now you're going to have somebody do rough sketches, and you're sending the pages out to nine different inkers oh, yeah. yep. to have the book finished. Right. So, you know, I mean, saying on deadline isn't sometimes a matter of a third wheel. Yeah. Sometimes it's a matter of the whole semi. Right. I mean, back in the day, and... You would probably know the term. There used to be a bunch of guys, a bunch of inkers named the Krusty Bunkers. I've heard of them, yes. It was, Neil, it was basically a lot of guys who worked with Neil Adams' yeah. continuity. But he had guys uh, like Terry Austin yeah. and some of these big-named inkers who would get a call from Neil and say, Hey, I got a book here. Marvel just threw it at me, and I need all you guys, all hands on deck. Let's get to the studio and work on it. And they yeah. would. Right. And, and that was really cool because it was all New York-based guys. And back then, 70s and 80s, that's where everybody was. It wasn't until later that you had FedEx show up, and then you had people in California, Washington, Florida, whatever, FedEx and pack, you know, pages back and forth. Yeah. But you don't have that anymore. I mean, you don't need it. Yeah. You don't need it, right? It, right. Yeah. 
Going well, back to the show. Sharing, yeah. were, were, were you doing sketches too at this show? I or? was. Yeah, and that's uh, uh, yeah, Mark. Mark kind of uh, touched on something I want to ask ask you, John, specifically, um, because I, I feel you have a kind of a uh, uh, more of a shy personality, like I do, uh, especially at these shows. When you're walking the aisles, okay, you're going up and down and, and looking at everybody's stuff. As Mark had mentioned that he'll he'll have his head down and he's uh, he's drawing, and the writer is kind of like getting everyone's attention. And it's true, you know, when I'm sitting down doing sketches, and i got to be mindful of people that come and yeah. buy, you don't want to miss a sale, you want to be friendly. And uh, it took me years to learn how to uh, do that comfortably without looking like some kind of a maniac. Uh, when you're walking by a table, are you turned off by the guy that's like, hey, come on over here, come, t- come take a look? Definitely. Because I, I, I am too. I am. Yeah. I don't I, want someone hawking their, you know, their goods. Now, I, now but, but where's that line drawn, though? Because if someone will say... Uh, if they're like passing out a flyer or something like that, if they're, if they're just you know politely saying, "Hey, you know, yeah, Joy, yeah, take a look at that," that's you know that's, that's fine. fine. Um, the, the line for me is kind of like when they ask me to come take a look at their work, right? Yeah, and something about that turn turns me off. I don't know if it's uh, I don't know if it's uh, if I'm feeling that it's uh, too desperate or if I feel like I'm being pressured. I don't know exactly what it is, but it does it does turn me off. And, but of course, I'm. Too afraid to say no to that. So I, will walk, I, will I do get a little bit afraid I, to say I, no. Right. Yeah, well, yeah that's you. Yeah. you. Yeah, you don't mind being. A I mean, it, it's, right. a, it's a it's a fine line. <laughs> Which yeah, is I don't a want to think I'm forced. I mean, as far as as far as being a Richard, uh, I'll tell you, being a retailer. Now, I set up at the shows as a retailer. Nowadays, not like when I when I wrote for that few years. Um, I'm now like, especially in Boston, I'll have a lot of the independent guys come up to my booth and say, "These are our comics." How do you feel about carrying them? And and I'm like, you know, something, I don't know what it is, but let me take a look at it. And I've never, they try to give me books for free. And every independent I've always paid for. I've never taken a book for free. Good. I don't want to take a book for free. You know, if I'm going to, if I'm going to carry your book, I want to help you. I want to support right. you. I right. want to do what I can because it's a community. Yeah. Um, but the first thing always out of my mouth is I'm going to read it and tell you what I think. And and again, I've never been afraid to say it's a little weak here. Or, I really like this. You should try to get more of this right, in there. Right. And and when somebody says to me, I don't mind. I really like that. It bothers me to no end if I'm going to pay for somebody's book if I give them an honest criticism and then never hear back from them again. Because right. I mean, how badly do you want to sell your comics if you're right. not willing to either engage somebody in a discussion or you're just like I can picture somebody at the other end saying. Screw him. Right. Well, two yeah. things. Um, Who's this course, guy? No one wants to be told that uh, you know they don't like their stuff. And I'm sure, uh, Mark. I'm sure you've had to go through this, where I'm sure you've been asked uh, to critique work. Yeah. Well, yeah. And you learn yeah. how to be um, be honest but polite about it. Yeah. You know, and you, at least at least for me, I always start off with I find something good. Exactly right. You always start off with the, with the positives, right. even if it's like, oh, the thing's great. Absolutely. Uh, it's it's, it's all about like treating that. people the way you want to be treated. Right. And then, and then, and then, broach the the problems uh, very, you know, very eloquently, but blunt, you still have to be blunt about it. You don't want to lead them down, uh, lead them down a path. You don't, right. right. You don't want them hanging on. Right. Exactly. No, I've done portfolio reviews at shows, and then when I was teaching, I was at the Boston College of Art, and they contacted me because they needed somebody who would teach comic book course. And one of the first things I did. Upon the introduction of the course was, hello kids, how are you doing? This is work I've done. This is work other people have done that I have. Now, tomorrow, next week when I see you, I want to see what you guys have so I know what I'm working with. Yeah. 
and then you sit down with 13 and 25 kids and you go through and you individually talk about high points, weak points. You know, if they're a penciler, this is looking great. If you're an inker, this is looking great. If you're a penciler who thinks they're an inker, I'll be honest and say, mm, you know what, your pencils are good, but your inks, not so much. And then the same thing when I was teaching at the Words and Pictures Museum. I had younger kids. Now, it's hard to, you know, evaluate what they're doing because they don't have any kind of body of work. But, but you can see a promise. You can see a promise. You can see, you know, if they're showing you sketches and stuff, okay, this this <laughs> might work. But now get away from pinups and try to do it sequentially. And then you would also have kids who are interested, who are maybe in their teens and early 20s. And then you can kind of be a little bit, be a little more firmer with them and say, okay, this is this is what I think. But still, don't dash their dreams. Right. Do not kill them. No. You know? And it, no. It's, it's very it's, easy to, too. With those right. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, because, I mean. At that age. Yeah. At this age. I know, yeah. It really is not. I mean, it's their artwork. It's their baby. Right. And, you, but, you know, and they're very excited about it. And you should keep them excited about it. Yeah. Yeah. Even if it's not good, you want to encourage them on what's good about it so that they can work at getting better. Right. So that's interesting, Mark. So as a teacher, did you ever run into, uh, uh, obviously, no names, did you ever run into anybody that after, I don't care if it was after one day or ten years, that you said to yourself or to them, this guy doesn't have a chance. He's never going to make it as an artist. Or is there always that, is, does everyone have that little bit of... Everybody uh, has something. There are a few here and there that would, would be kind of weak. Right. Especially the words of Pictures Museum because I had so many different age groups. But at the college level, you're talking kids who are 19 to 22, 23. And they're taking this course because this is what they want to do. They're that and you're passion. assuming yeah. that they've gone through high school art. Yes, well. yeah. You know, it's something they want to do at least... There's a reason why I'm here, because they went up to the head of the art department and said, can you get somebody who can teach us about comic books? Because we really want to do this part, at least experience it. And there occasionally you look at some of them and you go, you are going to do it, and you're going to do it, and you're going to be able to do it. Uh, I look at like my Facebook list. Uh, there's a guy named Frankie Washington. Frankie was one Frankie of my students. Washington. Frankie B. Washington. Yes. Frankie was one of my students. And Frankie is he's doing work. He's out there. He's doing his thing. Aaron Wood, another guy who was one of my students. He's out there. He's doing his thing. He's not doing sequential. He's doing more pop art posters and artwork like that. But they're out there and they're doing it. Right. So it's, it's kind of nice when you sit there and you go, I know him. <laughs> I showed him how to kind of do this. I helped guide him. I guided him, yeah. Back to the, back to the conventions. Now, um, one of the other problems that I had with the, the show that we were in is the artists were all segregated to one room. And it was a room that at the BenCon there was a separate room, but it wasn't really a separate room. I guess there was kind of like a divider, but it was it was uh, it was connected directly to the main room. Yeah. Right. right. Well what happened with BenCon was we initially started off on our first show we were at the Bing Theater itself. Yes. It was squishy. Uh, we you know it was tight. We had Not 20, a lot of room, right? Yeah, we had twenty seven tables, but you know what? We had a great turnout. Everyone seemed happy. Everybody made money. Yeah. I did. And, and I'll tell you what, even though there was only room for 20 tables, yeah. it was a good time. Yeah. It was now, a good time. last year's show, we were able to expand. We, I said to myself, we can't do it at the Bing again. It was a great just, you know, great place to start, but we need bigger. Yeah. So we got to Asbury Hall. We walked in there, and we saw the room, and we were like, this is fantastic. This is great. And as, as a small group and a nonprofit, we have no money to advertise. So basically, it was all word of mouth and Facebook. 
So at one point, I had the whole big room sold, and I still had 10 more people on a waiting list. And they were like, I really want to do your show. So then we talked to the guys at, at the hall, and they were like, yeah, we got two more rooms. Do you guys want to use it? Absolutely. So we did have a divider between the big room and the small room. This year we won't. Nice. Because it's going to work better with the flow of traffic. But we had an additional 10 guys in that other room. And my idea is I'm not going to put a comic book artist who has a certain drawing style next to another comic book artist with the same drawing style. Right. I'm not going to have a crafter next to a crafter. I'm going to mix and match and spread everybody around so you get a good feeling. Exactly the, the problem we have with this show because... You had the, it was a it was a decent sized artist room. Uh, we, we were still it was about a quarter of the size of the main room. It's still a good a good size. A lot of artists in there, and you had to walk down a hallway to get to get to us. Yeah. And of course, we're all thinking, why didn't they kind of like intermingle us with the you know either put one of the movie star TV stars over in this room, sure. or put other things that, instead of having this one room where if you're not interested, did you want Felix Sela sitting next to you? I'll tell you honestly. I mean, they're in a small show. Like um, you weren't there, but the year that we went to uh, the Albany Con, yes. That was actually set up in, what was it, three or four different rooms? Two rooms. One big one and one down the hall. That's right. And it was dispersed. And actually, they had people set up in the hall, too, didn't they? They had a couple, yeah. Yes. That was actually dispersed, and it was nice. And in a smaller show like that, it's good to be dispersed. But when you get to the bigger shows, like I went down to the the Connecticut Con, or the Connecticut Comic Con. I'm going to forget which one it was, but it was held in Bridgeport for the first time last year. They were actually in the uh, stadium, the arena, and they put all the dealers in the middle of the room and all the artists in the hallway around the stadium. Mm. And I thought that was nice because when I when I go to a show, I'm not interested in the dealers per se. I'm not looking to buy more books. Yeah. I'm walking around looking at the artists trying to do you know, what I want to do, and it's nice to know that I can just... Yeah, make I mean, this path or this circuit. Right, and that's good for you because you have an agenda, but um, you get a lot of these people that are going to these uh, these, these comic shows, they're the artisan shows, the toy shows, and they don't really even know about these comic artists, and they're not going to, they're not going to be interested uh, uh, unless they see them, but and, this, and hopefully they would be. Right, well, well, again, but that's somebody selling prints or posters or whatever's right. up. But by the same token, I know for a fact that there are people out there. I've got one of my guys who couldn't give a rat's ass about the artists or the writers involved. Uh, he's going to he's going to a show. He's he's digging through the dollar boxes. He's right. even he though we've got yeah. <laughs> even though we've got eBay and Amazon and everything else out there online, he's still involved in that hunt. And good for him. Yeah, I like you looking know. for those deals too, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean. I'm, sometimes it's fun to just go. Well, I think uh, I think me and uh, Len had talked about on, on one of the uh, previous episodes where collecting is not, at least in my eyes, collecting isn't as fun as it used to be when we were kids. When you were a kid, you usually had uh, like one title. For me, it was Amazing Spider-Man. You had your want list. You'd go to either the local comic store uh, or the local comic convention, which usually happened a couple times a year. And you'd be very lucky to find a small portion of the books that you need on that, especially as your as your list gets smaller and smaller. It was literally a hunt for these books. Yeah. We really didn't even have to uh, concern ourselves with condition because you were lucky to find the book at all. 
never mind. You know, you weren't. You usually right. didn't have multiple copies to uh, to go through. Today, if I want something, I can go on eBay, find it in the condition I want, at the price I want it, and have it within a couple days. You can go to Google, no type in, you know, Mike Kelleher's blah 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 book, yeah, and you can get five pages of hits yes. from all these different people selling it, and it's 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 made it so much easier. Right, and I mean, it's but to me that's not as much fun. No, it's not. Yeah, right. No, I agree. I mean, I, but the other thing too is, thank you to all the bad sellers out there. There are people who go to the shows because they have to have that book in their hands to look at it. Sure. Yeah. Because I mean, I, and, and I'll tell you, I do. And that's a necessity because when we restore a book, and if we you know we need to go buy a reference copy of it, I, and that's why I love going over to the uh, Gary Dalgoff's in uh, East Hampton, his giant warehouse, because you yeah. pull out a box. And he has multiple copies. Oh, yeah. uh, when, when we redid uh, the Sam Glansman uh, Tarzan years ago, went over there, he had like 40 copies of each. And so I was able to go through and scrutinize every copy and find out which had the which had the best uh, the quality of printing yeah, yeah. and uh, go through. So something like that's a necessity for what I do. Now, but, now just as a side note, get back to your your little story about the show yeah. and how the artists were sequestered and then you had the rest of the show. Yeah. Tom and I did a show probably early 90s. I think we were pushing... Maybe Guns of Sharpay. It wasn't a Fred Greenberg show. It was in New York City. Yeah. So that means... Big Apple. It could have been. I'm not sure. It's, it's, you know, the brain is fuzzy. Well, it was either Greenberg or Big Apple yeah. at the time. But basically what it meant for us to go to New York was Tom and his wife would drive out from Stoughton or, li- or, or downtown Boston where he was living, yeah. go to his in-laws in Manchester, Connecticut, stay over. I would grab the train in Springfield. They'd grab the train in New York or uh, in Connecticut. Hartford, train into New York, we set up at the show, and we stay over at one of the local hotels. We get to this one show, you walk in, and the whole main floor were all the dealers. It was a sea of dealers. The artists, oh, and by the way, that floor was air-conditioned, okay? The artists, we were four or five floors up, and what almost felt like another ballroom with great big windows, nice and sunny and beautiful, no air conditioning. (laughs) Sweated our behinds off. And it was kind of weird because I could see, you know, people walking to a show and saying, oh, the artists are down this hall. Not a problem. I have to get into an elevator. I have to go up four or five, you know, stories right. to go see these guys. It was it was an okay show, but it was not a great show. Yeah. You know, we sat there and we went, well, Tommy and I, too, the good thing is we always split the cash. Yeah. And we were, you know, we were hawking sketches, original artwork, books, that kind of thing. And whenever it came to the sale of the books, we split that in half. If I did sketches or artwork, it was my end of it. And it was just one of those deals where, you know, I'm doing my thing, he's taking care of the cash. And there, like I said, there are some shows you sit there and go, wow, we did really good. And then you sit there and you get back to the hotel room and you're looking at it going, wow, not so great. Right. And that's what, that's how I gauge doing shows nowadays. Um, for a while there, I did a couple of shows. I did a show called Rock and Shock. Out in Worcester, it's in October. It's more of a horror. It's not a comic book show at all. It's more of a horror show, movies, guests, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah but and, you draw a hell of a zombie. Well, I was doing zombie portraits. My my idea initially, we were, I, I set up with uh, Mike Dobbs and Marty Langford. We split a booth. It was like um, two three hundred bucks to split the booth, and they needed electricity because they were showing they were selling DVDs and stuff. So I just thought I'd sell some prints, do some sketches. One of the bands comes over and says. Hey, uh, could you draw us as a zombie? I'm like, sure, that's a great idea. So I had my camera. I took pictures of them. 
They went away for 40 minutes, and I was able to draw each of them as a zombie. And then that's that was my thing. As soon as I got home that night, I'm printing off little posters, zombified, right? And I was booked solid for all day Saturday, oh, which was like a 10-hour day, and then Sunday, which was like another 7- or 8-hour day. Not only was he booked solid, he had a waiting list he brought home with him. Yeah, Wonderful. yeah. Nice. I took homework home. I had people emailing me. So the thing is, is I sat there and said, okay, at least I am splitting this table three ways with two other guys. I made some money. Took care of it. We did it the following year, too. Made some money. The following year after that, Mike and Marty just couldn't do it. And I sat there and went, okay, financially, this is how much I'm going to have to make, or at least you know pay for the table. And to make that back, I'm going to have to bust my hiney and crank for three days and hope that people are buying sketches. Because I was only charging 15, 20 bucks. Yeah. You know, and these are, you know, black and white, gray marker, white splatter, red splatter. Really just I mean these are more like fifty dollar sketches and more. Yeah. They were very nice. But you know, you would have to really haul your ass to get books. I get you know get some bucks done. I'll just think about doing this massive show that's coming up in Worcester. Uh, it's a two day show in June. I'm saying, okay, well, it's Worcester. I can go back and forth. Yeah. Table's a buck sixty. Okay. I'm going to be selling two four dollar books and a ten dollar graphic novel. Okay, so uh, 160, and how many books do I have to sell? And if I'm doing 15 or 20 dollars sketches, will I make enough to cover the table and say to my wife when I get home, "Hey, I made some money." Yeah. You know, uh, Mike Dobbs and I did the Albany show last year. We drove out. We were comped to, we were comped one table. We we're going to split the table, you know, which isn't bad. We do that all the time. Yeah. We get there and they're like, "Oh, hey, we opened up this one side of the room. You guys each got your own six foot table. Oh. Fantastic." Mike was selling his 50, uh, 15 minutes of fame book, his interview book. I was sitting there. I was shelling you know my nomad book, doing sketches, doing a dogs of war book. First couple hours, kind of like crickets, you know, but then they started. People started coming by, and it's a weird, I don't know if you know that room, the Albany room. Uh, one room down the hall is basically, it's it's a big meeting room, okay? So you've got dealers around the edges, and you've got dealers in a circle in the middle. The other room is, it's kind of like, this all takes place in a hotel. A garden. It's a, it's a garden. It's, it's an open air garden oh, with, wow. with uh, glass ceiling and stairs and little stone walls. And you've got all the bigger names, Fred Hanbeck and Joe Statton and all these guys down in like the garden in, in area. The back against the yeah. wall. And you've got all the dealers up front. And then we are off to the right-hand side. And it was, it was an okay spot. And we were finally getting traffic coming by. But the, the lighting, there was hardly any lights in that side. Now, this show went till 5. By 3.30, 4 o'clock, I had a blinding headache because we were losing our light. And I'm drawing in the dark. Yeah. And then finally I said, all right, I'm out of here. But it was a free table. We drove out, tolls, gas, the whole bit, and we still made enough money to say, okay, that was an okay show. Fantastic. Best part about the show, it's in a hotel, right? They have rooms off of this big garden area. Mike and I set up, we're having a great time, we're talking, we're bull, you know, we're BSing. I didn't say it. <laughs> and we're looking at this this room across from it, and the window and the blinds open up, and it's this old woman. And she's like what is this out here? She closes it, opens it again. Confused that, like, where, where did all these people come from? So the husband comes out, and he's like, what are you guys doing here? 
accountable convention. It is. Nobody told us about this. Mike and I are laughing because they're like, the hotel didn't tell you there's going to be a convention right outside your door. So they're taking pictures. From inside their room. From inside their room. And they're like, we're sending this to our kids because they won't, you know, will not completely believe us when we say a comic book convention emerged overnight. And then literally, I think half an hour later, Porter showed up with a wheeling cart through the, uh, through their luggage and they were gone. So, you know, it, to get back to what I was saying, though, you've got to sit there and think, I can't do every show because you're going to go broke. Because, again, if you sell the $4 book and you can sell sketches, will you make your table back? I don't do Boston because Boston's like two, 300 bucks, And that means I either haul my butt back and forth or I try to find the cheap hotel. And, again, doing a show by yourself kind of sucks. Oh, yeah. Because, again, if, if you're... It's, it's impossible. Like, you got to leave yeah, the table yeah. by, by itself. Yeah. Or you're, you're either missing sales and you're just leaving your stuff unattended. Yeah, or your head is down and you're working and right. people are zinging by you. I mean, yeah. Tommy was really good dealing with the public because he's got that kind of personality. But he wasn't playing sideshow barker. People came over and they looked at all our books and they at least expressed a little interest. Yeah. He'd be like, oh, come on over. Right. You know, check out our book. And that's what I like. You know, I, I like... That and conversely, I, I don't like it when there's nobody at the table paying any attention to you. I don't need, uh, you know, I, I don't need people going, hey, how are, as long as I look over to you and you have a smile for me at the very least. Yeah, that's that's all I need. As but you know something, the, uh, and as a con goer, if I see you drawing on a sketch or working, I don't mind that. Yeah, I recognize, yeah, but I I'm always I still always have my you know the corner of my you eye have to making sure just so you go you. And I don't know how many times I've been working on a sketch and I tell someone, come back in half an hour. Half an hour later, I'm still talking to someone who walked up five minutes afterwards. Because you can't, you know, you, you try to, you, you, you'll sit there and keep drawing, but you can't be rude and not look at the people yeah. either. So, and, and I understand that because there's a fine line between I've seen the artists who have mastered being able to talk and draw. Yeah. And the ones who, especially when you're paying for art, who stop for every idiotic question. Now, I want to be fair with that because I understand that, you know, I mean, you guys come to the shows to meet the public. Mm -hmm. That's where you get to interact with your fans and find out what they like and what they don't like. Great. What I don't like is, is again, it's a matter of treat people the way you want to be treated. If you're going to stand there and you see somebody's doing this sketch and he's got a list next to him of the next 16 sketches he's got to get to, and you want to spend four hours of his time, you know, what's your favorite shade of green? Yeah. You know, I mean, some of these guys are so nice that they'll talk to you for four hours. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just, it's killing me when I'm the guy behind him. And I just oh, want to kick somebody in the ass and well, say, what? I, I've run into this a number of times, uh, especially over the past two or three years, where I will walk up to someone at, at a table. And of course, you're all, inevitably, you're obviously sitting next to someone when you're behind the table. And I come up as a fan to, uh, to an artist. And uh, not only are they ignoring me, they're just talking to the person, the person next to yeah. next to them. Yeah, yeah. And they don't even give me the time, the time of day. Mm-hmm. And those are the kind of people I like to just walk to the next table, even if I'm not interested, and spend money with them while I'm staring at them, saying, you know, "This, I wanted to buy something from you, but just out of spite, I'm going to buy something." Infuriating. Yeah, exactly. I, just, I don't. Again, it, I don't. It can be infuriating, but again. As long as somebody looks and smiles, exactly. I'm cool standing there and waiting. Because the other thing is, is, is I mean, and maybe it's 
much harder to do than, than the simple, you know, I'm going to say it again, treat people the way you want to be treated. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A lot of times, this is the only time that you guys see each other at the shows. Yeah, yeah. true. Because you may be from California, and you may be from New York, and you get together in New York or, or, mm-hmm. or Chicago... And sitting behind the booth, you know, oh, that's yeah. your but, but that's your time. Isn't to, there a time and a place for that, though? Exactly. Not while you work. You, you you get together after the show, or you know, or you know, take a break, or you know, uh, unless you're one of the very fortunate people, you don't have constant people at the table. But there should always be um, there but should I, always be that etiquette that if some, I don't care if you're in the middle of of uh, telling someone the pants are on fire, um, when a customer walks up to that table, you stop talking. Yeah, and that should be I, the etiquette. I and agree. You know, because, no matter what. what, what is your job for the day? To be at that table, to be a professional, to greet your friends and your mm-hmm. public and people who like your stuff. Yeah, and, and working and, to, and to and sell, yourself, yeah, right? sell, sell yourself. Sell yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and that's the thing. When you're spending two or three hundred dollars on a table, you're selling yourself. Oh yeah. And, and I'll tell you, that's that's another thing. I mean, Boston last year, I made a tremendous amount of money. Boston was very, very good to me, so much so that this year I've got four tables. And um, we're going to go in, and I expect we're going to have a good show again because Stan Lee's there. But Boston is also very, very good as far as keeping it a comic book show. And not only do they have a list of about 120 guests, they've got probably 200 artists in Artist Alley, or small press, or self-publishers. And the problem in a show like that is, is if you're going to spend three hundred dollars on a table, you got to worry about competing for all of that money. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And and that's that's a tough, tough. Set. It is. It is tough. Because you know, if I'm going to shell out two, three hundred bucks, I'm there to work. Absolutely. I am, oh yeah. I am going to be Mr. Personality and turn it on and sell books and do sketches right. and not be there to screw around. Yeah. Now back in the day, I remember doing quite a few Boston shows. And Tom and I'd be hanging out. If it got slow, who's around? Oh, hey, you talk to this guy, talk to that guy. Right. Oh, Flint Henry. Hey, haven't seen you in a while. How you doing? Flint was a lot of fun. Flint was great. And then we'd be throwing stuff at each other just to break the monotony of that. Yeah, sure. Okay, where is everybody? Or um, he did Elf Lord, and he passed away a couple years ago. Oh, um, Barry. Uh, Barry Blair? Barry Blair. Yes. Barry Blair was a lot of fun, Barry too. Blair was great. Loved Barry Blair. I loved him. But I remember Barry coming up, and we had just started doing um, Swords of Sharpay. I was doing Undo a Shade Board. Yeah. yeah, that was the big thing for black and white books, just to give it some kind of depth. Right. But I wasn't using a board that had straight lines. Mine looked like hand-drawn lines. Okay. So Barry hadn't seen any of the original artwork. So he picked up the book, and he flipped through, and he goes, he looks at me, he goes, you're crazy. I said, what do you mean? He goes, you're hand-drawn all those lines, dude. <laughs> I looked at what Barry to do a shade board. And he said the F word. And I'm like, yes, I got you. And this is Barry who's been around for a long time. Yeah. But it was nice to see that I, I, I kind of put it over on him. Yeah. Yes, Barry, I appreciate you saying, wow, I spent a lot of time drawing those lines. Well, you know, I brushed on the chemical and, you know, it came out. And I got kind of high from the chemical. But but it was, it's, it's great, though, that kind of camaraderie, especially for smaller press guys like him. Right. And I like is at the show, and, it's, and I don't see this happen very often, is when you, you get a kind of camaraderie between uh, two artists, and when a fan walks up, I like how some of them are able to kind of include you into the conversation. And, and now you're now you're on a per, you're, you're in you're not just on a uh, salesman and uh, consumer uh, level. You're uh, you're including them in to community, your, right? Exactly. You're, you're letting them in on. 
uh, your, your friendship and your your uh, your involvement in the industry. And that's yeah, fantastic. Yeah. And I'll tell you, Barry was very, very good at that. I happened to meet Barry after he started working with Wendy Peeney at Elfquest. Okay. And, um, and, and I'm going to tell you to this day, uh, Barry pulled out, I forget where we were. Uh, I didn't even expect to see him. And uh, we ran into each other in the hallway. And he pulled out a ballpoint pen and ripped off this elf, and it looks like about three lines. And it was just the most beautiful, elegant, simple drawing I've ever seen in my life. And, and I still have it. And, 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 I mean, all the art that I've gotten, whether I've paid hundreds of dollars for it or anything else, that one elf, like you said, your frog head, you get so good at doing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was just... It's beautiful. Now we're, uh, we're we're getting close to time here, and I want to talk to John for a few minutes. Uh, oh, is John here? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, I'm over the corner. <laughs> and because uh, John works on a web comic uh, named Mostache, and what's the address for that? Mostachecomic.com. You knew it this time. I did. Well, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so, um, so now uh, that brings up an interesting thing, where of course web comics are uh, very popular today, and. How, it, when it comes to conventions... What's the web? <laughs> it's this thing where you get to go and complain to people oh, about, yeah. about different stuff. Um, and how, how does a, a creator like you, how do you approach, how do you approach a, uh, a convention? Because unless you go out and spend a fortune on merchandise that you hope will sell, and of course... Uh, how many people are going to go buy a Mostache T-shirt if they don't know who Mostache is? So unless you're fortunate enough to have a huge following on the on the internet, you know what do you, do, you know, what are these shows uh, what are these shows like for these creators? I, I've yeah. honestly only ever done one, the Pain Pixel one in Northampton, probably like three, four years ago. I don't know mm-hmm. how long ago, yeah. right around that time. And I mean, we we, we did it with a podcast, okay. um, so it's kind of like a double table there. But we were just kind of just doing free sketches. Um, so you're just you're there for the uh, uh, not just the exposure, but just, just sitting down like we were just talking about. You're there to talk to people. You're, you're you're not going there with the expectation of making money. Correct. Yeah, there's, yeah, there's more just talking to anybody. I know. <laughs> Basically, when I was left by the ta- left by myself at the table, didn't go so well. Because that's <laughs> I didn't, that's, I'm the, not, that's the attitude I think uh, that. Uh, you kind of have to go into when you're doing these shows. If you're going there with the intention that I have to make money, then you might as well not do it. Right. Because there's a better chance than not that either you're not going to make back your money or the amount of money that you do make, you're not going to make as much as if you sat at home working for the day. Yeah, yeah. You know, so I mean, now, to, to go back again, and I'm, I'm going to say, you know, back to your, is there a pattern for money, for spending? Yep. You talk about how small your show is, the BingCon. Mm-hmm. I'll tell well, you what. I did very well at, at that show. I made more money at the BingCon than I made at the Hartford Comic Con. Yeah. We, okay. we had a, uh, a, a, how can I put it? Um, Steve's one of those guys that, you know, he's a friend of ours. He's a good friend of Mike Dobbs. He's a friend of mine. He's kind mm-hmm. of a mentor. He's one of the first guys who actually gave me straightforward criticism. This is uh, Stephen Bissett. Stephen Bissett, yeah. Uh, um, uh, artist on... Uh, Swamp Thing, Tundra, Taboo, Tyrant. Tyrant, right. Almost a legend. Yeah. yeah. Steve gave me straightforward criticism. But it was good criticism. And we're talking maybe early 80s. Swamp Thing had just started rolling out. He was doing a signing at the Holyoke Mall at Same Bat Channel. Oh, up at the top of the escalator right near Sears. Fiber Big Tuesdays every Yeah, sitting out in the hall. First place I've met Dave Sim. And it was great to talk to him, and it was great that he was able to come to the show last year. Yeah. We were surprised. 
you know, he always likes to say, well, it takes me two hours to get down there. But, dude, we're here, you know. Come hang out with us. Have a good time. Well, I'll tell you, at the end of the show, we sat and we talked to him. And we were like, how'd you do? He goes, I did freaking great. He goes, I made my mortgage payment. I got some cash in my pocket. Fantastic. You know, I'm going to go have dinner with you guys, and I'm going to go drive home. I'm like, terrific. Lawson, same thing. We had Jim Lawson last year, and we have Jim Lawson back again this year. And Jim has a following. And he doesn't do a lot of shows, but he figured, hey, it's Northampton to Springfield. I can drive the 45 minutes. Right. Gave him a free table. He set up, and he was cranking out sketches and selling artwork. And I was like, Jim, how'd you do it? He goes, I did terrific. He didn't say how much, you know, right. exactly, but I'm like, good. You know, any interest in coming back? Oh, yeah, hell yeah. And it was a I, spending crowd. For yeah, it, it was a spending crowd. Yeah. I mean, again, too, five bucks to get in the door. Free parking. That was the one thing, too, that kind of, it hurt us at the Bing the previous year because the Bing has no parking. Yeah. But we were able to arrange it with one of the local restaurants who were closed on Sundays to use their parking lot. And then there was a jeweler across the street. He was closed on Sunday. Yeah. So that worked out good, too. Now, this year, we got free parking. Uh, we also have uh, the guys at Wild Olive coming back because they have a full kitchen there. So they're going to be selling food and stuff. And this right. way, we get to keep everybody in the building. They don't have to go traipsing all over somewhere around to get something to eat. We're going to keep them there, and hopefully they'll stay longer and spend more money. Right. Now, do you, uh, do you, how many people came through the door last year? Do you know? Even uh, for, even rock 200 rock. people. Two, really? That few? Yeah. I was hoping I that. Can't, I can't believe it. Like I said. Because uh, we were jammed. There were a couple times during the day we were jammed. The previous year, we probably did like a buck and a quarter that came through the bank. That, that, that is, a, that is amazing. And then especially with more guests. More rooms. Now I'm hoping this year with three rooms because we're going to use that far back room, yep. and we're going to set it up so people will be able to walk in and just go and do a great big circle through everything. That's in, ter- in terms of in terms of money, I made as much money at your show as I've done at shows with like a thousand people uh, around that yeah. around that, that amount. Like I said, I made more money there than I did at the Hartford Comic Con, yeah. which was heavily promoted. So uh, so what is dude, what is it? What why? Why were people spent? We're not in a. It's not like we live in a community with uh, you know, uh, uh, where people have money falling out of their wallets. I, I think it, I think it's the area because there's nothing, not that much of it. There, there haven't there hasn't been like a decent comic book convention in like 15 years. Yeah, the last one we had was the one Bob Mankus did in uh, Northampton. Okay, and then and I remember a couple shows being at the old Springfield Civic Center. Not in the Civic Center itself, but, I don't in the, even but there's that. a yeah, there's wow. a convention hall downstairs. Yeah, so I didn't know about those either. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and so so here we are. You know, it's you know, 15, 20 years later, small show pops up. Granted, it's a fundraiser for the bank. Yeah. And people are like, "Wow, there's a show down the street. How much to get in? Really? Okay." And I don't know any of these people, so at least I'm going to come check them out, talk to people, and, and maybe spend some money. And what helps is, um, you know. When you look at something like San Diego, where it has 24-hour uh, coverage on some of those, what, sci-fi or some G4 of the other... G4 and sci-fi you know, and, uh, and they get else. Last year, they had their own uh, Sirius satellite channel, you know, so they were 24 hours live there. Um, there's a lot more knowledge about shows, so... If people in Springfield who aren't going to San Diego find out, you know, hey, they don't travel to Boston or New York City, but there's a there's a show here in town, mm-hmm. 
Yeah, you're right. It's 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 going to bring and the one thing that we're doing this year is we threw the word comic into our name. Before it was Bing Con, short, sweet, but you know what? We had a, a good handful of people saying, "I don't even know what what, what is a Bing Con. Yeah. What is a con? Well, okay, Bing Comic Con. Oh, now I get it. Right, it's a comic book show. There you go. Did I want to do that? No, Not really. Because you know, it's it's everybody else is throwing the word comic into their show too. Right. But this way, if if it will get more people coming in the door. And again, we're going to probably be on Mass Appeal. And we're going to be running an ad and a reminder. And I'm sure Mike Dobbs will do a piece about the show and also do about the Bing itself. You know, let's push it. And I'm going to ask everybody, including, you know, the two people are here in this room, let your friends know about the show. Oh, of course. Spread it worldwide as much as you can. In fact, I'll tell you, I reached out to Mark McKenna for you. Oh, you did? Oh, good. He can't come, but (laughs) I did reach out to no, yeah, we're trying. You know, there's some people who are like, yeah, I, I can go. Uh, this year, I mean, I put the word out probably about a week or two weeks before the tables were actually available because we had to set it up on the website. Because yeah. before it was just through PayPal, send Brian 20, 25 bucks for your tables. I must have had 10 to a dozen people saying, I really want to do your show. Uh, put me down for like two or three tables. All right? I'm like, well, I, I can't promise anything right now. Once the tables go live, and I'll let everybody know through the website, through Facebook, when the tables go live, it's first come, first serve. And I must admit, even with three tables, even with or even with the three rooms, we still have people saying, oh man, I want a table. I'm like, dude, I'm, I'm sold out. Yeah. You know? Now, like, I just had one guy cancel. But what's, what's nice, though, is now I have a small waiting list. I can go back to that next person in line and say, do you want a table? I got it. It's a six-foot table. Here's where you send the money. You know, it, it, we'll see how the show goes. You know? Sure, you know, and it, it kind of, uh, you know, expanding on what I was saying, you know, saying later, you, you go, I was saying earlier, that when you go to these shows, don't expect to have you know, to be making money. Go there to have fun. Right. You know, well, I, the thing is, and, 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 you know, I mean, I'm not embarrassed to say this. The first year at the Bing... Last year at Bethesda, or Trinity, neither show did I expect to make any money. Mm-hmm. I just wanted people in Springfield to know that I'm here. You can get comic books from. Right. And and I was looking just like John for the for the you know to get my name out. There. Right. But last year was whoa, really good for me. And, and and comic book shows too. You've got you get the dealers. And what are they there for? They're there to make money. They're right. selling comic books. Yeah. Artists are coming in for exposure. Buy my book. Check out my artwork. Let me know what you think. Am I there? You know, if, if I did the show every time just to make money, it be it wouldn't be fun anymore. Right. That's the whole thing. Is let's go have some fun. That's have some fun. Make some connections. Hopefully, yeah. And, that's yeah, our that's whole goal. Right. Is I want people to come to the show and have fun. Yeah. I mean, it's a small show. I got a table there. I'm hawking my stuff too. Mike's hawking his stuff. But you know what? I'm going to do the same thing like I did last year. I'm going to put four cases of water in the refrigerator, and every t- you know, every few minutes, turn through the show. I'm going to crank around with six or seven bottles of water and hand it out to people. And that and that was good. Uh, small touches like that really really yeah. helped you know, the guys behind the table. And, it's great. and I'm assuming it's good. You know, you you sat behind the table so many times. Oh, yeah. You know what we need. And if you yeah. do a show by yourself, you're like, I got to get some food. Yeah. Hey, can you watch my table for me? And the guy's like. Yeah, <laughs> That's why I was always good with like Tom or I because he'll funny, take off, yeah. I'll take off. You go do 
you know, it's and that's two. why I almost always do a show with my buddy Len because that way we can do it. if we just want to go around and either schmooze or spend a couple bucks to stretch our legs, we can just watch each other's table. Yeah. And that's, and that's yeah, and, and and you know, I mean, that's why uh, I kind of changed my attitude this year. I mean, even as a retailer, last year I had three tables and it was John Johnson and myself, and uh, you know, I mean, we stayed busy in Boston the whole time. We never mm-hmm. left. But I can't tell you, you've got three tables, and all of a sudden you've got 300 friends. Can you get me in? Can I use your oh, badge? Yeah. <laughs> Can, do you have an extra badge for me? Yeah. And it's like, you know, something. And I've never been afraid to share. And, you know, if I've got it and I'm not using it, sure, you yeah, can have it. There's only so much to go around. Like, I've been talking about uh, maybe doing the New York show this year. But it's it's going to cost a fortune. But yeah. I'm try, but I'm promoting yeah. these uh, master series prints, yep. and I think that's going to be the biggest bang for my buck. But yeah, I, I mentioned it, and yeah, I already have ten to twenty people saying, "Oh, how many how many passes do you could really go well, in there?" And and, like, and oh. you know what? And you don't get many at New York. Yeah, I, no. you get, I think for a booth you get two. Yeah, you get two. Yeah, yeah. And, and then one for each with the table after that. Right. Well, I'm only getting one cap for it. So, but um, and, the, and like but, for us, you know, I tell everybody. You know, for your for your table fee, you get a six foot table, an eight foot table. You get a tablecloth and two chairs. So, and I'm basically telling everybody, you can bring a friend bring along, right? Bring along, yeah, you know. Exactly. Yeah. But I, you know, I mean, one of the things has that the I was big show been like the same time of the year every year, or has it changed? No, actually, that, changed this. That's year. an excellent question. Uh, the first first two years we did it, it was in late August. Yeah. yeah. Last year, uh, we thought that maybe we saw a decline in attendance because it's the last week before. For the, uh, the summer, kids are getting ready to go back to school. Uh, vacations. And vacations right. are wrapping up. So this year we said, okay, well, we don't want to touch September. How does October look? Because Boston was already in the summer. The only show we had to really contend with was New York. Yeah, right. When is and, that this year? Uh, it's actually the week before us. Okay. <laughs> I was initially trying to go get the week before New York, but the Trinity had a church. They had a, a wedding. And then they oh, had they some. Postpone that? I know a oh. wedding over comic book convention. <laughs> Come on. Hey, think. I mean, the bride. How do you lose a cosplay in that? Yeah, but what's going to work out for us this year is, is that we're going to be the weekend right before Halloween. So we're going to kind of promote it as you know a, a Halloween, Hall- party. A Halloween yeah. theme, a Halloween oh, party. It'll be interesting to see the numbers yeah. look compared to the summer. Yeah, wonderful. Uh, and then, then again, the two this year. You know, last year we had a lot of interesting cosplay. Uh, our first year we had interesting cosplay too, and I was like. Who would know? Who would know that we would have a black stormtrooper walking around <laughs> Sumner Avenue, waving at people? You know, last year we had a cosplay parade. We had probably maybe a dozen people, and they all came out in great outfits, including some kids, kids and some kids and stuff. Yeah, it was wonderful. Yeah, so yeah. That's our thing. Is it's it's a it's a show for everybody. That's why we have all different kinds of artists and creators and crafters. And I want people. I want mom and dads to bring their kids. Yeah. I mean, we had a couple guys. It was, it was very fr- a very family friendly show, yeah. which is something you don't see ever anymore. Back up when he had the big the first year, I actually had a guy come up to me with his son and said, "I didn't even know you guys had the show going on, but we live right around the corner. We saw the crowd. We popped in." And he goes, "This was a great show." I'm like, "Well, thank you," because that really did that. His his response made me sat there and went, "You know, I think we did it okay." Yeah. You know, I was I was pleasantly surprised. I didn't get to go to the first one. Um, uh, but yeah, uh, I was I, I went there, at, you know, full honesty, full honesty, just to, mostly just to support you and support the local community. Yeah. And I was expecting nothing out of it. Not only did I make some money, it was just a lot of fun. It was just a lot of great people. Right. And, and that's and that's not the 
not just it's not just the best you can hope for. I mean, that's the, that's the ultimate. That's what yeah. you. That's exactly. So, what you so want. anybody behind the table, if you can go to a show and they treat you right, yeah. Even if it's a free bottle of water or two, right. you know, and they got food right there, yeah. And you're having a good time and you're hanging out with friends and you're still making some money and stuff. Well, you know, you can't In some cases, that. you're making new friends. Yeah. Oh, yeah, of course. I mean, I've got probably about 10 or 12 new people this year. i got like 10 or 12 new people this year who weren't there last year or the year before. And actually, if anything, they bumped some of the people who wanted to come back. But, I mean, there's a guy that stopped in that he lives down in Connecticut on the, on the shore, and his fiance lives in Boston. Oh, that's Mike Beaver. And He's in New Jersey. Okay, you're right. Yeah, yeah. You're right. You're right. Yeah. And I mean, he's recognized me from New York and some of the other shows. And Mike and I will talk now. And yeah. it was funny to see him come into this little show. But it was it was planned purposely. His trip was planned so that he could take advantage of the show. Sure. And that's a good thing, you know, just to walk in and see a smiling face like that. I remember him emailing me saying, "Hey, uh, I'm going to be coming up. My fiance is in Boston." She's, you know, she was pregnant. She was getting ready to be due, and he's like, "I'm going to drive up from New Jersey. Is it worth my driving up?" I'm like, "Well, let's see. Um, uh, honestly, you know, do I want to drive three hours for a small one day show? Maybe if it's a good show and the guests are great. But he really, you know, he's a fan of Lawson's. He was a fan of um, Steve Sets, and he came up and he was like, he introduced himself. In fact, I believe he came." To the first year, he was there at the first okay. year because he and I spoke that so, year too. So here he comes up all the way from Jersey just for his little, you know, little podunk show. So it's when you see things like that, you're like, "That's fantastic." Yeah, that's, I did okay. That's what you want. You want all shows to, to yeah, like that. yes, exactly. Right. New York, Boston, uh, Vermont, Connecticut shows. I mean, I used to go to a show back in the day. Al Kinney, God rest him, little rest in peace guy, awesome guy. He ran a he ran a bookstore in East Hartford called The Bookie. Al was fantastic. I bought so many books from him. I wouldn't go down all the time, but you know, he was worth just going down and visiting with Al. And he used to run this low show in East Hartford. Maybe when you walked in, did he recognize you? Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh, Hal was names. earlier conversation. I didn't say anything. Hal <laughs> no, was great, but you know, he ran this small. It's all show. part of the customer service. Yeah. Maybe like two times a year, he'd do this show. It was like in an Amvets or something. Yes, or, it is. And it was one great big room. He'd have a couple artists. He had Arnie Starr there all the time. Mm-hmm. He was working on the, the DC Star Trek books. I think that was the first time I met Flynn Henry, too, yeah. one of his shows. Could have been. Could have been. But, you know, it was, it was one of those shows that he'd have a small couple of small guests, and he always had the same dealers. But it felt comfortable. It was home, yeah. almost. Yeah. And that's, you know, if we can continue doing Bing Con like that, I'm sorry, Bing Comic Con like that. <laughs> but it's not just that. It was the events. Like, I remember when Superman died... They actually carried around a casket and a torn up cake. You know, I mean, they made an event out of it. Yeah. And and as a local person, you wanted to be there because it wasn't just the comic book. It was real life. It, right. made, it made the comic book geek and you feel like, this is where I want to be. Yeah. It didn't right. matter that it wasn't New York or Boston. All right, so let's uh, let's wrap this up. John, thank you for joining us. As, as thanks usual. for having me. And, uh, uh, you talk so much, John. Okay, you guys are so... We, we have to have an episode where he just shuts <laughs> up for a few minutes. Uh, and Mark, thank you so much for coming. I can't wait for the BinCon again. Give us that uh, date and uh, web address again. October 24th, 2015, 11 to 5 at Trinity Methodist Church on Sumner Avenue. Uh, it's on a Saturday this year. Uh, you know, churches and Sundays, not so good. 
Uh, and if you want to go to Isn't that the face whole purpose of a church, yeah, kind of. Uh, it's so to check out anything for the show, go to Facebook and just type in uh, BingCon 2014. Uh, changing the name of a page on Facebook is is a bear. It is. It's a bear. And also to go to the BingArtsCenter.org or just do a web search for Bing Arts Center in Springfield and check out their site. And we hope to see you guys in October. Wonderful. And Mike, as always, thank you for being here. What's your uh, What's your web address? Yeah. MyComicStore.net. Thank you very much, guys. All right. We'll talk to you next time. And that's going to do it for this week's episode. Please look us up on Facebook, Twitter, and check us out at Calistration.com. And support us by purchasing our new Master Series prints featuring Little Nemo and Slumberland. We got four 18 by 24 inch prints. That's calistration.com. Okay, thanks everybody. We'll catch you next time.